Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. Once in a while, we get lucky and a wonderful, wonderful firm sends us guests. So our guest today is someone I don't know. Her name is Michael Ann Valterra, but here's the reason I'm excited. And I know people get tired of hearing me say I'm excited because I say that every time, but I truly am excited. Michael Ann is a financial coach and for women. Michael Ann, hello. Good morning. How are you? Hello from Seattle. I'm so happy to be here. Now, I'm going to tell you, your bio is very impressive. I'm going to just read this part of it. Michael Ann is an author, a keynote speaker, and a money coach who helps women transform their relationship with money to create a life they love. Now, that's pretty impressive. And you've been doing it for 20 years. And your credentials, of course, are extraordinary. Now, let me tell you, I'm so grateful you spare time. I know you're busy. And I'm going to ask you how you got started in this. And then we have other questions to ask you. But I just know this for me in my age group. I hope that women are getting more information, meaning younger women about money and how to transform their lives earlier in life, okay? And the reason is I'm 71, Michael, and I came from a household where my mother did not have any financial say, responsibility, okay, nothing. My father made the money, my mother ran the house, my mother did not work, They, my father did really well, but I need to tell you, and we'll start with this, the reason why. When my father died and we read the will, my sisters and I had already been told that we were now in charge of my mother's money, okay? Mm -hmm. We were in charge of the trust. And my mother in the car driving away said, I don't understand why didn't daddy just leave me the money outright? And none of us wanted to answer her, but I knew because I worked with my dad and he used to say all the time, Macy, when I die, your mother may sleep with other men, but they're not going to spend my money. Oh, <laughs> you really say that? Oh, my yeah. God. Wow. Okay. 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 Very Italian. Very yeah. much. Very, very. Yeah. So I, when I all of a sudden went out to work and make my own money, but my first marriage was totally unsuccessful because I didn't take charge of my own money. So I was single for 14 years. And guess what? I got really good at my own money. Yeah. So, you know, but I just know that you have words of wisdom to help people because I know I'm not the only one. I know there's a mil so many women feel this way about money or haven't had a healthy relationship with it. Right. So, so please true. tell us how you got into this. Yeah. Who the heck am I? Well, so you know, a lot of people um, call me a financial therapist. You know, I'm not a planner. I don't do investments. Got it. So when people say, well, money coach, what's a money coach, you know? And so it's a little bit closer to financial therapy than financial planning. I love it. I, so, I, it, you know, and, and, and money is emotional, right? I mean, so it's practical and emotional. You know, if, if you take me, so I'm in my fifties and boy, oh boy, what, what a road it's been through divorce, the whole nine yards. So how I got started was that once upon a time, I was, you know, a young uh, economics major right? But that's so, mm, you know, the whole right brain, left brain. Eh, you know, so I, I wandered the earth like Cain for five years, for those of your listeners that remember Kung Fu. 
um, and decided that my, my heart was more into psychology than hardcore finance, right, and economics. So get this, I actually got a master's degree in transpersonal psychology and consciousness studies. Fabulous. So it's like, woohoo, here I am a master's in consciousness, you know. Um, but I was so fascinated with money and the alternative psychological, um, emotional side of money. And, you know, what, what do you do with this as a career? And so at the time, money coaching was brand new. I, I met, there was really only one, one money coach in town, right? This was uh, kind of mid nineties. Her name was Karen McCall. Um, and I was like, I want to do what you do. And I just begged her to train me as a quote unquote money coach, even though nobody knew what the hell I was doing, right? You're like, what are you doing? And, you know, and so it was this field then and now it's now a little bit more mature 25 years later where, you know, my specialty is working with women who are, they're tired of being stressed. They're tired of feeling anxious. And, and probably the number one thing I hear, Denise, is people call me up and say, I, well, number one, they're tired of being stressed and anxious about money. But number two, they say, I'm, I, I don't feel like I'm in control of my money. Yes. Like yes. I'm sick of not feeling like I'm in the driver's seat of my own car. That's right. So, you know, it's like all of this goes into absolutely the practical side. Yes, we'll totally go there. I mean, that's part of the money fog and getting clear, right? But to say money is not emotional, anyone who says money is not emotional, I am telling you, uh, they must be a man. And, and I'll tell you what else. I think they're lying. And I think oh, they're yeah. denial. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because it's emotional for plenty of men too, right? I mean, it looks different for men. But it, but it is different. And certainly, you know, here's the difference. I mean, I, and when I'm with younger women, Mm -hmm. but they're married now they may be raising children which is a whole other category do you know what I mean because if you're at home raising a child I mean there's just so many elements for women but men when they're little are men say oh I'm going to grow up and have a job because I'll take care of my family or I'll I'll make money mm -hmm. so as younger women that I'm close to I say to them sometimes when they're in the midst of it I'll say, does your husband have an insurance policy in case something happens to him tomorrow on the way to work? Or I'll say to them, do you have any money socked away of your own in case he falls in love with the girl that's selling him shoes this afternoon? And I'm always asking those kind of, I'm sure they think, Jesus, what a weird woman. But in, in reality, since those are all the things that have happened to my friends when we were young, you know, I, and I just gotta say, you were right on. I mean, we all know that the divorce rate is at 50%. There is, uh, there is no one who doesn't know that stat. I'm yeah. sorry, that's a pretty out there common stat. But so if I was in, in if I had a 50% chance of getting in a car accident, you better believe I'd have good insurance. If I had a 50% chance of an earthquake, I don't care how expensive earthquake insurance is. Right. I get it, right? You know. So, but it's hard, right? Because when you're married, we are so in love with our beloveds that we never see we're going to be part of that 50%. And so how do you walk the line between honoring love and your your wonderful partner and going, but what if? That's right. And you just you've got to take care of yourself. You've got to take care of who you're going to be in the future. I would say any man worth his salt wants his wife or his girlfriend or, you know, two women, you know, the, whatever, there's so many different relationships nowadays. 
um, is going to want her to feel secure and no matter what, no, she's going to be okay if they do separate. So well said. I, this is my second marriage. So we've been married almost 29 years and it's been entirely different, but I'm a different person than I was at 20 when I, you know, different woman than when I got married the first time. So the second time it was, I had learned and also run my own business then for 15 years. I had, and also negotiated with Hollywood producers for jobs, meaning for food styling and media work for them. So I got pretty good at it. Do you know what I mean? Because otherwise you realize that when you walk out of a lot of those offices, your back teeth were missing because they were looking for the gold fillings. So I got better at it. But are there ways, talk to me, Michael, and how can women, so what if they're, what if they've never, they're older, or they're even in their 50s, but they have never kind of been involved in the money. How do they, do, how do they start doing that? Do how do they start doing it? Yeah. Well, and you know, this is, this is who I work with, right? I mean, the most common woman who calls me is, is in her 50s and says, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of not feeling good. Right. I'm sick of not feeling, you know, control again, that comes up a lot. So what, where I always start is that one of the biggest causes of financial anxiety is feeling like you're in a money fog because, and here's, I think it gets interesting. A lot of the people that call me, Denise, they have financial planners, they have investment accounts, they have somebody who's doing something with their retirement, you know, Um, but they're still having a hard time sleeping and not feeling like, well, am I, am I okay to go on vacation? Like it, it, did I just screw up by spending $500 on the most insane, wonderful shoes that I want to wear without feeling guilty? Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I always start with let's, let's get out of the money fog because the, the money fog simply means I don't know where my money's going or where it's coming from. And there's a lot of things that cause money fog. One of the, the biggest is so many people, Denise, have so many accounts. I'm a huge advocate of elegant simplicity. Okay. You know, we just, we literally just draw everything out in a money coaching session and go, okay, we, you know, two checking accounts, three savings accounts, seven credit cards, you know, whatever the picture is, we just, we just blob it all out on a piece of paper. Um, and, and then we start drawing like, and money goes from this account to this account, to this account, and then it transfers to this account. And then I pay this from this account. And I always sit back and go, no wonder you're feeling a little stressed and foggy, you know? So one strong idea for people is, you know, the more accounts, the more credit cards you use, for example, um, the more money fog you're in. Cause I don't care how smart you are. It just starts feeling like a shell game. I, you, I, you are saying things that are so simple and so smart and you're so right. It will, yeah, and that's why I love calling it elegant simplicity because I think sometimes we think that somehow the more complicated it is, wow, look at, we're, we're pretty hot shit. Oh, pardon me for swearing, but. Uh, that's right. we're, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, uh, better clean up my, my early morning potty mouth here. But, you know, we think that we're really hot if we look, maybe we seem sophisticated, but the reality is, the more you've got moving around, you're, first of all, you're spending a lot of time potentially managing it, managing it or a lot of time ignoring it or yeah. a lot of time being stressed about it, right? Yeah. You know, so, so number one, I say, let's, let's go elegant simplicity. Let's go, you know, one primary checking account and at the most, buckle your seatbelt 
two credit cards. Got no, it. you know, um, and you know, and then from there we look at, and this is where people go, oh my gosh, she's going to make me track my money. But, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> and people just, oh my goodness, they get so uh, their panties really get in a bunch about this. But um, you know, the reality is, wealthy people know where their money goes. Yeah. And, well you know, and more importantly than wealthy people people that feel good and in control about money and don't think about money all the time with that free floating anxiety, they, they, they track their spending and their income. They know where it goes. They have a simplified way to do it. They don't hemorrhage time on it, but they know. And that's part, that's, that's part of where the anxiety just, ah, you just start exhaling and people, you know, when I've got clients at that stage, they're just, shocked at how their heart rate starts coming down. There's no mystery. That's right. I mean, it's not the whole entire enchilada because then we want to look at, you know, where do you want your money to go? Yes. Um, but, but most people don't know where it's going. So it's like their dollars are running around on them, you know? You know, when you say this, Michael, and this is something, my husband has been is a very organized personality. So he got on the online, like paying your car payment and everything online early on in the boat. Do you know, early on in the mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't because I had a bookkeeper for my business. I just retired three years ago from my business. And so I had a bookkeeper that came. So she wrote checks and stuff. It was all great. Do you know what I mean? Every, the system worked. Um, and my job was to bring the money in. Do you see what I'm saying? So my job was to bring the money in. And that was fine. And I liked it. But I have to tell you now, I didn't have Mary. So Kenny put me on things getting paid, my car payment and my phone and stuff directly. Well, you know what? That used to make me anxious. I think, oh, but what if they take out too much or that doesn't work? Or how do I have to check on that stuff? You know what now? I get my statement. I know where everything went. I know where I know where the money goes. And now, you know what I mean? There's not these checks that haven't cashed or any of it. So when I go online to look at my bank balances, I know exactly how much money I have. Do you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's more control than I ever, I thought I was in control when I had a bookkeeper, but I wasn't in control and I feel more in control. Well, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Because it's, it, you know, it's organized, it's simplified, it's, simplified. It's, right, it's, it's right there. You got your finger on the pulse. You know, I find that, and I'm not anti-bookkeepers. There's a lot of wonderful bookkeepers out there. But the question is, are we abdicating control? Are we abdicating responsibility? And sometimes we are using a bookkeeper to not look, have someone else. See, I I think that could not be more correct. You know, when you said that money's emotional, Michael, I, I said this, I had a girlfriend. She's a very dear friend, a childhood friend. Her mother just passed away. Now, the father went, her mother lived to be 98. Now, this is, of course, we all know, you know, people are living longer than they have. So her father, when her father died year, 40 years ago, there was a huge estate. Now there's almost no money left. Hmm. But, and sad, but the mother was taken care of. I mean, you know, I said it could have been worse, but this was the part she said to me when we had been talking to another friend who, of course, inherited a great deal of money. Friend number two, friend number one said to me, oh, I can't believe that she and her brothers were fighting over the money. You know, um, oh, how horrible. That would never happen in my family. I said, you didn't have any money to fight over. I said, no, I, friend number one, I said, I don't know how to tell you this. 
You put a quarter on the table, everybody goes, okay, I'll take a nickel. I said, you put eight, $9 million on the table, people's. That's a conversation. That's a conversation. That's a, yeah. You, so, and I don't even think, and this is to me, Michael, it's not, I'm not talking about honesty or laws or anything. I think that there's so much emotions tied up in money that, that in situation and in relationships too, in men and women, which is why one of the biggest things that people fight about in their uh, marriages is money. Oh, it's, it's, oh my goodness. It's so true. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I, I read this gosh, a million years ago, um, you know, cause the whole thing about money and divorce is such a, a big topic, yes. but one of the, the stressors is that women worry that they're not going to have enough money in the present for their children, for their family. Men worry that they're not going to have enough money for themselves in the future. And so there's two different issues there that the, the, let's say conversations are all out fighting are about two different things, right? One, one person is thinking about children, the other person is thinking about them, but they're also fighting about two different timeframes. Is there enough money now versus the future? And so you've got these two people that are, they're not, the, the conversation isn't even necessarily about the same thing, you know? So, and we all know that, well, we don't all know, so I'll just say this, half of all relationships are made up of opposite money personality types. There's, you know, so, you know, the whole, we love to marry our opposite. Yes. And opposites attract and blah, blah, blah. That's all lovely until money comes into it. And then, you know, there, there's a reason why this is a big subject in relationships. Well said, you know, one of the reasons, see my husband and I fight, we bicker, um, but we don't fight about money. Because we actually did, we've had the same goals with money. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I, it's more apparent now when I'm, when COVID hit and we were home all day long together, Michael Ann, I realized that I'd spent more time with him in that year than probably in the first 27 years. Cause oh we, my gosh. You know what I mean? I mean, we're on vacation and stuff together, but I'm just saying we saw each other every single day for yeah. 24 hours a day. You marinated in your relationship. Oh my God. And I really, but money, we've always had our own money. Then we merged our money finally. I mean, we didn't merge our money for years. Do you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. we didn't. Yeah. But now, I mean, it's very interesting that I, it's very interesting to me, the things I'm learning this late in life. <laughs> oh, oh, for sure. Well, and you know, here's the interest, interesting thing about, about couples and money, you know, we often hear about like the spender marrying the saver and, you know, yes. and again, that is half of all relationships, but the, the underlying motivation is if you are a quote unquote spender personality, it just means you're highly motivated by freedom. And if you're a saver personality, you're highly motivated by security. It's not about money. It's about these underlying drives. And, you know, so when couples initially meet, that is just a sexy dynamic, right? It's like, oh my gosh, he's so secure. His feet are on the ground. He knows where he's going. And oh, she's so vivacious. She's so exciting. I've never dropped everything at the drop of a hat and gone off and done this fun thing. I mean, it's such a beautiful thing that we just, it's attraction, right? There's, and and my, my thing with, with couples and money is I want to keep that attraction. It's not sexy to marry your clone. 
You have just said something, a, a light just went on, such a light bulb went on in my head. I can't stand it. That's, I've never heard anyone describe it like that, but that is such, it also even tips into, and this is very interesting, my dynamics with my sisters and money, because since we were in charge then of my father's estate, uh-huh. it was, it, there's been so many dynamics, most of them, um, most of them okay, uh, several unpleasant. Do you know what I mean? Because one of the reasons was my oldest sister who always got to be the oldest sister and always wanted to be in charge and always wanted to be the boss. When all of a sudden, all three of us had a voice, she wasn't real comfortable with that. <laughs> it was very interesting. Do you know she what I mean? I what you were saying when you weren't saying it. That's right. And I remember, and then it was another, I mean, it's just interesting. I, when I was very young, but one of the reasons to stay on track, you said that I have a sister that um, I don't, I don't know. It's just to me because she was the saver, saver, saver. And one of the reasons, and that's fine. I mean, and it played into her personality, but Michael Ann, when we go to, when you go to her house, I, I'm revisiting all my old furniture possessions, okay? okay. I gave her the couch. My other sister gave her the coffee table. My mother gave her the bed. My aunt paid for, I mean, the car she drives used to be one of our cars. Do you see what I'm saying? So, well, there's a continuum, right? And, and it's like, there's nothing, extreme savers yeah. love to make spenders bad. But, but there's nothing wrong with being a quote unquote spender and there's nothing wrong with being a saver. The problem comes when we're at the edges and we're these extremes. And when you get into someone who's an extreme saver or very frugal, it's like they're almost afraid to spend money. And when you get into, if we just kind of dive into your poor sister's brain chemistry here for a moment, you know, chances are when someone like that does spend money, they literally feel pain. Well, at the very, very edge in terms of that personality type. And so, you know, why buy a couch when you can get a cast off? That's right. She's not that bad, except one day when we were talking and something had happened. And she said to me, I'd just come home from a trip. We, she was sitting in my bedroom and we were, I was, she was seeing the things I had bought. And she said to me, you know, some days I don't like you because you've had so much more fun with your money than I ever have. Oh, so, so telling. And that's the freedom piece, right? That's the freedom. I thought, oh my God. And she said, yeah, you've always had more, more fun with your money. I thought, well, is it really my money or is it just that I've had more fun? Well, that's a very challenge. She really summed that up really, really well, because I think that, you know, again, that the saver does look at the spender and go, oh God, I wish I could just feel so free to do, you know, whatever it is, go on vacation or do this or do that. So it, I mean, it is fascinating because, you know, whether you're talking with you and your husband or you're looking at your family members, it does help to understand more and more about people's money personalities because you see it, right? It plays out in families all the time. What do people, so people, when women come to you, What's your goal? What's their goal? What do you, I mean, Michael, and I'm sure some people you can help. I'm sure some people don't have a clue. I mean, I, how does that work? Kind of like, can you see progress in people? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the top, again, I know I'm like a broken record, but it's just because I hear it so darn much. Um, most people come in and they say, you know, as a result of working with you, Michael, and I want to feel good. 
I don't want to be stressed about money. I want, I don't want to feel guilty. And then they'll say things like, I want to know what I can spend. I, it's my money, but I feel like I can't tell how much I can and can't and should and shouldn't spend. And I'm tired of feeling that way about my money. And so how do I, how do I do that? And, you know, some people will have even more concrete goals, like, okay, here's the dirty little secret. I'm carrying 30 grand in credit card debt. I want to get rid of that. Uh, I'm, you know, I have, I mean, yes, I do work with people on net worth, you know, I mean, all of that, we, we want to grow our savings and things like that. So, so when you very first dive in with people, you know, I do dive in on what I would call the, the practical side, but you got to honor the emotions from the very, very, very beginning. I mean, we do start with, let's simplify, let's, let's look at where the money's going. And then let's look at, you know, what would it be like if we put together a monthly spending plan? Like I hate the word budget. I hate it. It sounds like a big fat diet. (laughs) Nobody wants it, you know, and it's so like, oh, who do I owe? What's left over for me? Nothing. You know, I'm living life on leftovers. I mean, it just feels, you know, but it's your money. So, you know, my question is, where do you want it to go? What do you want to protect? And, and, you know, you can do anything you want. You just can't do everything you want. And so how do we, how do we discern that? And so the, the progress that people see is, you know, the first thing is they stop feeling stressed. Yes. Then they start feeling more in control. Then they start, you know, and again, debt is not everybody's issue, but it's pretty darn common, right? Uh, Then we're building up savings. I mean, it's interesting because some people come in, like I said, they may have retirement accounts, but it's like all the foundational stuff is missing. They might have the retirement account, but they have no safety net. They may have retirement accounts, but they're carrying credit card debt. They may have retirement accounts, but if the car blows up, they're in danger of not taking their trip to Hawaii or doing it and totally stressing out about it, you know? So it's like that type of foundational stuff is so um, missing for so, so many of us. And when you add that in, people just breathe easier, Denise. They just breathe easier. And you know, my, the the big place where I'm driving for people is I want you to create the life that you love. I want you to create the life that you love. And you know, money is a sacred tool and we want it to be the sacred tool, not something that's controlling you. Yes. Stressing you out. You know, this all, I wish Michael, I had learned some of these lessons earlier in my life, but better better one you know what I mean oh now's the perfect time right now's the perfect time anytime yeah. is when anytime is a good time I know for me personally and I say this to people when I started my own business that was fine and I'd gone to an accountant who taught me to pay myself so that was the first lesson in understanding that I have so many friends they've been in business for years they're not paying themselves Right. So then that's where I think their money fog comes into and their um, anxiety. I'll say, but well, how, how much do you pay yourself? Well, I couldn't take a check this month because do you know what I mean? For whatever reason, I think, you know, and then that I used to teach business classes for caterers, Mm -hmm. my man, because catering is a business and all cooking, personal chefs, women in food are Mm -hmm. notorious for not making the same amount of money as men, okay? For so many reasons. 
And most of them, it's this nurturing aspect. And while they, you know what I mean? They don't hold themselves. They don't hold themselves as in the same sacred position as men do. Oh my gosh, Denise. It's, yeah. In fact, I'm just finishing teaching an eight week class on this exact subject of how to unlock your earning power Thank for you. women, you know, and, and, and the reasons why women undersell themselves. Ooh, that's a complicated one. And, and then it all plays into their money. They yeah. Undersell yourself or you don't find yourself as valuable as other people in your industry for whatever reason. But if it's because you're a woman, do you know what I mean? I just think it's the double whammy. So when I started my own business, the great accountant said to me, you're going to have to pay yourself. And I did for years and years and years. And I had to give myself raises. And then I bought myself a new car. So the business paid for it. So I learned. But you know when I got better, Michael, and being clear about it was when I had to sign paychecks for other people. Because that made me, when you're responsible for other people's income, it made me get much clearer about money. Do you know what I mean? And that's such a hard concept because I have friends now that say, oh, I'd like a housekeeper, but I don't want, I, I can't really afford it. And of course, I say to them, it's $100 a week, it's $100 or two, because you're talking about, of course you can afford it. And in that time, you could be doing something else in your business that earns you more money. So why are you? It's, it's so true. I mean, women yeah. undersell themselves about, on average by about 30%. Yes. And, and they, they often don't know that they're doing it, you know, I mean, they, they did this really interesting study where they, they had young men and women at a university go do a job, doesn't actually matter what the job is, it could be weed the garden or do these essays, you know, tutor in the library, whatever. So they come back, young men and women, and they're asked to self-evaluate, how well did you do the job? Good news, women do not think that we're doing a bad job. We self-evaluate our, our abilities equally to men. That's not the issue. But then the researcher said, okay, on a piece of paper, secret, um, we need you to come back and we're going to pay you this time. We really need more help. What do you think we should pay you if you come back and do the work? And so they write down all the numbers, right? And you know where it's going. All the young men said, well, I'll do it for you for about $100. And all the young women said, I'll do it for you for about 70. I was universal. They And, and the, the, the kicker is, women don't know that they're all writing down numbers lower, smaller than the men sitting, sitting next to them. This is partly why it's such a complicated issue. We don't always know that we're shooting ourselves in the foot, but we're so worried about, is it okay to charge people for helping them? Am I good enough to charge at the top? Are people going to think I'm greedy? I mean, the list is pretty long. It's so long. Now, I know that on your, your website, all the information about you, Michael, I have one or two more questions, but I want to tell people in this middle, you have on your website, which is seattlemoneycoach.com, you have a free resource. It says free ebook. Yeah. So I wrote an ebook called How to Stop Stressing About Money and Create a Life You Love. It's about 20 pages. It's totally I'm free. Read this afternoon. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, again, talk about a broken record, but I, you know, if I can help people with it, with this free ebook on how to stop stressing about money, oh my goodness. So they can download it on my homepage, seattlemoneycoach.com. I mean, I've got clients all over the world, but I live in Seattle yes. um, and that's where you go to get it. 
Honey, I think that is such a resource. If if you had three little tips for someone who's listening to this, but just is still in the fog, and I know it's what would be the first is if the first one you told us was simplify. My, yeah, I, I'm always going to put that up there. And number one, are there any credit cards that you can close? Can you can you operate with fewer accounts? I mean, don't close your long-standing credit card accounts for you know your good old credit score. But is there anything that you can do to simplify, right? Um, number two, do you want to consider looking at tracking where your money is going? Great idea. Um, and, and then number three, I always invite people to start journaling about their upbringing and history around money and really start honoring the fact that it's emotional. And I don't ever want anyone to feel bad for feeling that they're emotional about money that I say, you know, explore it, dive into it and start journaling. What are your memories around money? You know, what were your parents modeling to you? Because that's the thing. It's not just what your parents said. If it was that easy, we'd all be clear what we actually, our early programming was around money. A lot of it's modeling, right? Yes. I mean, if you grew up with your parents fighting about money, just as one quick example, that's unfortunately common. Yes. Um, you know, chances are you don't feel good about money. You, this association is money is bad and stressful and causes conflict. Yes. So just spending a little bit of time talking with your girlfriends, you know, going out for a martini with your, your friends and saying, how are you guys raised around money? Right. What's your memories around money? And, and because there, there is such a taboo, Denise, about talking about money. Oh, you and so, but women excel at relationship and they excel at exploring their emotions. And so if we can combine those, our relationship drive and, and our ability to access our emotions in such a beautiful way and say, okay, now let's talk about um, money. Your friends, you can, you can have the most deep dive juicy conversations that are really helpful. That is such a great idea. And of course you mentioned it. In food, this is an example. In women, okay, cookbook authors, food stylists, not women in restaurants so much, but in catering is probably, has been predominantly women for, gen, you know, for years because it really is an extension of the home. It's making food for somebody else that, you know, you can, and you get into huge event planning companies and stuff. There, it was started by a woman. I mean, this is, you know, and they grow and they succeed. But I used to go to women, this is in the 90s when I would go to women's, conferences and women's um, groups and that nobody would talk about money. There'd be a panel of the biggest food editors or the biggest cookbook authors. And if someone actually had the nerve to stand up and say, well, how much does that job pay? People would say things like, oh, you know, we're not really allowed to discuss that or my NDA doesn't allow that. And I remember thinking, this is such horseshit. How can we help each other if people don't know what they should be charging or how they can ask, or can they get that? Now, I had a man send me a text this morning as an example for a job representing a company. He hasn't written a book yet, but he's got a, a, an interesting blog. So he's like an influencer, not with huge numbers yet, but they want him to do some speaking about the product. And he had read something that I had written, written for a blog and he said, I don't have any idea what to charge. 
And it's what his job would be. I know I've worked with celebrities to get $75,000 for the morning. And I work with people that have gotten $2,500. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, there's a, it, it was hard, but I just said to him, well, what do you, you know, I, I think you need to get, he was telling me how many, the tours, how many, how long it was going to take and what he had to learn and what he had to make some recipes for him. I said, you need eight, ten, twelve thousand $12,000 to cover your time if you just break it down into, you know, oh, I had no idea. And it was the, he just said, he called you. What a gift. I know. To be able to talk about it with you. That's the key. He said to me, I didn't know who to ask. I said, well, that, you know, no. And I said, and I need you to know, you're going to have to, he said, well, I don't, I'm not as well known as the other people they're speaking to and stuff like that. I said, then if I were you, I get the point. You already know what they want. It's chicken. What are your points about chicken? Get those five points, study them, time it right now, looking, you know, do it on your, on an iPhone, do a TikTok about it. And show them that you can do the job. But I, I said, it's like anything else, but it was very interesting to me because we, I get more emails about what people should be charging or what kind of advance should I be looking for? Because in our industry, nobody wants to tell anybody the truth. Right, right. Well, and you know what, one of the things I love about younger women is younger women are um, breaking silence I hope and so. are talking more about money and what they're earning and what they think jobs should be paying. And when they're leaving jobs, they're telling other people, this is what I think you should ask for. If you take the job, I just left, you know, all that stuff. I love it. Right. Me too. It, it, and, but it's, it's, it's taken a while because generationally I'm not raised with talking about money. You don't talk about money. You don't talk. And so like you said, I mean, number one, what what is this man need to charge to not resent doing the work? That's one of the things I always ask people. Let's let's start with like your what I call the resentment number, which is the bottom line. I mean, it's an emotional way of getting at the bottom line. That's right. And now, of course, we want him to have his happy number, right? But but in between your resentment number and your happy number, let's think: what do you need to charge to cover your costs? This man's got to pay his mortgage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera to talk with people and unpack the number is such a gift, Denise. It is such a gift and people will share their opinions, but we need to be willing to go out there and ask. Unpack the number. Oh my God. Uh, the light bulb was going off again. I'd never heard it said like that, Michael, but I, I used to say to people, what you see caterers are famous for, women selling their services. So I, and, and food styling, writing a cookbook, people start out saying, oh, but I just want the experience. I said, let me tell you something. When you've cooked for three days, lug that crap all over town and you find out that you didn't make any money, that glow of all that experience is gone because you can barely stand because your feet are so tired. Yeah. I said, and you call it yourself money. I used to say, and I also have one where people that wanted to hire me again I didn't like them. I call it misery money. And I once in a while had clients say to me, do you charge me more than you charge other clients? And I'd say, of course not. But inside I'd say, yes, how'd you like oh, that? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better, yeah. you know, but I think that that's resentment and unpack the number. That's a great way to say it because I can visualize unpacking the number that you need to get to. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It's like it, it's a suitcase. You know, you got, we got to unpack it. I mean, part of it is the costs, right? Yeah. Part of it is what do I need to pay myself? 
part yeah. of it is how much do I need to charge these people to <laughs> not be irritated at working with them? I mean, there's, right. you know, and, and ultimately you can charge whatever the market will bear. You know, yeah. people don't always like to hear that. So, but you, you're not doing a pro bono business or, or, or you are, or you yeah, are, exactly right. uh, but I mean, you know, and, and one of the things I, I had a group of women I was talking to about this, they'd never um, thought about it. I said, you know, do not suppress your industry. I know you're thinking all about you, 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 Yes. I can't charge this because I'm not good enough and I'm not this and I'm not that and I'm uncomfortable. But I said, if you're going to undersell yourself, what about all the other men and women in your industry? You're making it harder for everybody. It, yeah. yeah. When do you have a newsletter that you do or do, can people go to your website? Do you update it with like where you might be speaking? Like, yeah, so, yeah, oh, you are so lovely to ask that. Yeah. So when they go to Seattle Money Coach, if they download that ebook, that yeah. will give them my once a month newsletter. Um, okay. And it, you know, and that's great. And if people are um, loving on social media, then go to Seattle money coach and I'm, I'm everywhere, you know, Instagram and Pinterest and probably ones that I didn't exist yesterday that exist today. Um, but yeah, it's all Seattle money coach. Well, all I know is you have, I've always, I was grateful, Michael Ann, that seriously, I was grateful that my, my first marriage was so unsuccessful. (laughs) (laughs) That I wasn't going to make that mistake again. Do you know what I mean? And I didn't. And well, I, there's a gift in that. There's a gift in that. The gift, the gift, the gift. And, you know, I always say to people, and this is, I put my first husband through school forever and through dental school forever, which was part of our generation. Do you know what I mean? Everybody, right. oh, and you, he'll, you'll work for eight or nine years, but then, you know, um, He'll support you. Well, it didn't exactly work out like that. Now, it only took five or six therapies to unpack that. (laughs) But anyway, the reason, but I learned more about human nature, myself, other people, trust, um, honesty. I mean, I learned, I learned so many lessons from that, that made me a better person. That's a, and a better business person. Oh, so. Absolutely. You know, and, and it's part of why when part of when people get stressed about money, they beat themselves up for yes. past mistakes, you know, whether it's in, in the marriage or whether it's a, you name it, I've heard it, you know, I've heard so I hear everyone's money story and, you know, oh, I sold everything in, in when the market was down in 09. And now I'm beating myself up that I, don't have my house down payment, you know, I mean, you know, all sorts of things. And so if, when we don't forgive ourselves, it literally can cause health issues. You know, it's like, we've got to forgive ourselves because anyone, I mean, first of all, you've got your MBA in the school of hard knocks, right? And, and there's a learning, there's a learning. And my, my opinion is I like to think of it as you have your own personal money story and it is a rip roaring good, fascinating tale full of twists and turns and all sorts of exciting things, you know, and it's just part of the story. It, they're different chapters of our lives and nobody has this perfect, perfect story. And, you know, I mean, that's just silliness, right? I mean, that's us believing what people post on Facebook, which is just all the happy stuff. So well said. And you had said that I read that in one of the things I read about you about what does, let me see how, why it is so important to forgive our financial mistakes. This is huge. It's really big. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I was thinking about uh, that client that 
you know, she had, I, you know, a lot of money. And when the market fell, and this is a long time ago, but it's good for us to say now, because people get nervous with the market, um, she panicked. And so she sold everything in, you know, the bottom as we now know, but you don't know what the bottom is when you're in the middle of it, of course. Right. But, but the point is, Denise, she beat herself up for years for this money mistake. And as we looked at it, it meant that she had a smaller down payment. It, it did impact the course of her life. She ended up needing to buy a smaller home in a different town. But as we looked at the story of her life, she loved the town that she ended up moving to. She made wonderful friends in this town. She ended up marrying a man she met, you know. So her story was full of a lot of interesting twists and turns and actually a lot of wonderful things that she couldn't have predicted came out of that. But she was so fixated on the mistake I made, you know. It's one twist and turn in a long life. And we all have them. We all have them. And it's just part of our story. Michael, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. This has been absolutely, you're delicious. You're delicious to listen to, and I, I feel like boom. There are several things. I, I'm mostly because with my relationships with my sisters, and thank God we're still friends, and I love them both very much. One is a little more tenuous than the other, but you've helped me. I've, I've got you gave me a tool or two today that I could, I could use. Just in you telling me what you you have said today. I can't thank you enough. I am so glad to talk with you today. It's just so fun to talk about all this stuff. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. People will want to reach out to you and they can at seattlemoneycoach.com and download the free resource book, the ebook that you've done and get on your monthly newsletter. That's fantastic. I love it. I think everyone can be happier and just create the life you love. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. I thank you so much. Thank you, everyone that reaches out to us. Thank you, everyone that sends us notes. You reach us at womenbeyond at icloud.com. And I thank everyone that listens to us. And I thank our guests because we should all be here helping each other. We'd be in a better world if we were. I thank you, Michael Ann. This has just been, I'm telling you that I've made some notes. I'm going to use that verbiage with my sister. Oh, how fun. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I hope your listeners enjoy it. I just, I just, I just love all of your podcasts. So it's just great stuff. I mean, this is the time of our lives, women, women of a certain age where we're going into massive awesomeness and creativity. So this is true. And we might as well have fun. I was, I've decided when I retired, the first year was rough because I didn't know what to do with myself, you know, and people don't tell you. And it wasn't a money issue. And when it's, and all of a sudden, someone said to me the other day, she said, is because she's in a different, but she's getting there. She said, so what's it feel like to not worry about the money? I said, I worry about the lamb chops. But I don't have the same worries and it does free you up. It does. really make the day that you want to have. Well, and it makes us more creative. You know, when we are stressed about money, it impacts our creativity. And, you know, this is the time in our lives where we want to dive deep into creativity. 
So well said. Thank you again. Thank you for everyone that listens. Thanks, Cindy, who keeps the, the train on the track. I say it every time, but it's true. And I thank you again, Michael Anton. And you have to come back. Because we're in these financial things right now going on. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so many juicy subjects for us to hit. I hope you will come back and talk to us again because um, so much good information. And I know that there are women that will listen to it out there in our audience that are going to say, oh my God, I never thought of it like that. Amen. Amen.